Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. To every person that would open their heart and you become directly connected to the power that created and sustains everything. I mean, it used to be, honestly, and we hear this and we know this intellectually, but I don't think we really grasp the ramifications of what it meant to be separated from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God basically could not touch people or they'd die. There was no holiness within people for the Spirit of God. It's kind of like, you know, if you, if you remove the legalistic and the performance understanding element of it, because when we hear words like holy and righteous, we immediately think about whether there's sin or not. Like we're so sin conscious that when we hear beautiful descriptions of what God does within a human, like cleanses you, sanctifies you, leaves you holy, which leaves you righteous, and we think of performance, and we think of sin, and we think of all that stuff. And it's like, you know, translate it into terms of light and dark. You know, you were dark. The world was dark. The human heart was dark and didn't even, couldn't perceive light, you know, hid from light, didn't even know what light even was. So when you remove it from legalistic performance-based un- un- understanding and look at it in terms of light and dark, What happened is the light invaded the dark, and we were able to perceive and connect to this light. Amen? I mean, yes, behavior matters. Yes, you should strive to display outwardly this inner holiness that you've been given. But you first and foremost have to absolutely start realizing this connection that you have with God, because that is your source of strength. I don't care what you're going through. The only thing that is going to sustain you through that process is you start right inside of here, you affirm who you are, and then you move forward into whatever it is, regardless of if the circumstance changes outwardly or not. Amen. You are the master of your own domain, so to speak. No matter what happens out there, it's your choice what happens in here. Amen. Right. You can't control this out here, but you control this in here. Amen. And see, what's interesting is the way that God designed us is we actually affect what happens out here. Amen. Y'all want to hear one of my theories? I have a theory. I'm just making this part up, by the way, so just <laughs> kind of go with me here. I, I, I don't think that time is what we think time is. Like the effects of time, right? Now, this is a mind twister for just a minute here. You kind of just have to suspend all you logical thinkers. Just kind of go with me for a minute. I'm not so sure that what we see as time is real. I think what we call time is actually sin. Okay. (laughs) Think about what time does. It deteriorates things over time. Things decay. Death creeps in. It's almost as if, like, because we have dominion over this creation and we detached ourselves from God in the beginning and started sowing into it our own godhood, so to speak, our own death, our own choices, 
trying to control this place rather than living within it. It's like it responded back to us, death. And it's like mankind kept sowing into it, death, and it kept producing back to us, death. And we just call it time. Over time, things just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not sure exactly I know what I'm saying on that point. (laughs) But it's like, the point is, you have the responsibility to make sure that your heart is at peace. Peace guards your heart. And out of your heart flows every issue of life. Every facet of life comes out of your inner man. It talks in Ephesians 3 about your inner man being strengthened by the love of God. That is your heart. That's the new you. That is the new type of creature that you are. Inside of you was remade and rebuilt into a different kind of being in your inner man, in your heart. And that heart affects the world around you. You know, there's all kinds of studies that show that plants respond to human presence and humankind. They, they took a study where they took a DNA sample of a human and put it, they bombarded it with photons to see what the photons would do to the DNA. Well, what happened is the, fi- the photons, the light particles, actually responded to the DNA. So in other words, instead of the human DNA being affected by the light, the photons bombarding it, it was like, uh-uh, all the way around. The photons rearranged themselves according to the DNA affecting it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Created world, which everything is kind of light frequency, responded to the very presence of human life. Amen. You're affecting the world around you. Amen. God placed you as a king and a priest on this planet. What you reap, you will sow. If you want to just put a biblical term on it, you reap what you sow. Forget the quantum stuff. Forget the theory. And just understand, you reap what you sow. But here's the deal. Everybody around you is reaping what you've sown as well. Amen. The whole world is reaping what we have collectively sown. Reap what you sow. Uh, you know, we're, we're winding down our uh, core beliefs and values series here for the church. We have 10 posted on the website, and I keep thinking of different ways to say things, so they might turn into 15, I don't know, but we'll <laughs> stick with 10 for now. And number, number nine, and kind of number nine and 10 go back and forth, but um, number nine, and it's You know, we phrased it this way to be provocative, to get you thinking. But number nine is uh, get your own vision. What are you crying out to me for? Get your own vision. You know, that's that's an Exodus reference. Tell me what to do. Yeah. No. (laughs) And that's the point, right? You know, I've, I've had these conversations and people come in and it's like, first off, I mean, I, you know, I just, I just despise control. And I think a lot of church doesn't intend to control, but I think because the body of Christ isn't empowered and strengthened and challenged, and, you know, in this Western church, we kind of just tend to want to just have these comfortable lives and, 
you know, we'll send money overseas. And there's nothing wrong with that. God wants you. God is the God of comfort. Amen? He wants you to have life and that more abundantly. He wants you to be at peace. With Christ, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. And here's the deal. How do you fulfill your calling with that as the internal environment? You know what I mean? How do you live with this internal atmosphere of peace? And I'm comfortable in who I am. It doesn't matter if I ever go to church again. It doesn't matter if I ever witness to another person again. God loves me. I am safe in him. And that my purpose is fulfilled when I acknowledge that I'm a child of God through Christ. That is your purpose. If you've ever wondered what your purpose is, in other words, the reason you're breathing air, it's to be a child of God. That is why you exist, is to be God's child. That's it. But now that the world is in the state that it's in, and you represent God on this planet, he might call you into a specific job or function or task, right? It may be in the military. It may be to work for a Christian radio station for a little while, you know, to make sure that those songs are on the air, you know? It it might be to, I don't know, make signs that people hang in their home that reminds them of God, you know? Tony's a soil sampler for farmers. Maybe God has called you to make sure that soil is healthy for the food that gets distributed across this nation. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be where I'm an evangelist, I'm a prophet, I'm a teacher, and I only, that's the only way to fulfill my calling, you know? Because when you understand your purpose and your true identity in Christ as a child of God, you realize it doesn't matter externally how it's labeled or what you do, whether it's in a church context or not. Amen. You are representing the spirit of the living God. You are representing Christ. Amen? amen. All the entrepreneurs said amen. You know, Emily back there has products for women, and it's natural stuff and, you know, to help women feel pretty, I guess. I don't know what you're... All the women said amen. But you know what I mean? It's like that can be a calling because of what you're doing for people. You know, Austin's a potter, man. I'm telling you, it makes me feel better to drink coffee out of one of Austin's mugs than some store-bought mug. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I look at it, and it just makes me feel better. I'm like, man, this, this thing's cool. I feel cool I'm drinking out of this thing. You look good, too. Amen. So, you know, one of the big things that I enjoy doing is dismantling the religious construct that's in our mind that we think we have to plug into some kind of system to fulfill the call of God in our lives. Amen? Now, so there's a responsibility in this, though, and that is that you get to decide with God what your calling is going to be. So this gets your own vision thing. You show up in this church, and honestly, most people that come into this church that have some type of church experience mistake our lack of control and our freedom as inactivity or as a lack of a program. I'm telling you, you've probably felt it. You're probably like, well, what what can I do here? There's not much for me to do. Good, I want you to feel that way because that makes you search inside your heart. Well, then what am I going to do? You know what I mean? If we don't have all these programs that we're trying to staff, and partially it's our size. As we grow, you have more ministries and things like that. But I am just not interested in you showing up in this church 
and waiting for us to tell you how you're supposed to follow God. My job is to help you affirm and understand that you're a sheep. And the more that you know that you are a sheep, the more you will know and follow God's own voice within your own heart. That's why we focus so heavy on identity all the time. Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I am not God's voice for you. You don't, do you realize that under the new covenant it says you don't need anybody to teach you? Say, I don't need you. I, no, I want you to feel that way. Amen. I mean, it, it's, I know that you appreciate the teaching. You know what I mean? What you need is God. What you need is his spirit moving within you and leading you and guiding you. Interesting that he said he would actually do that. That's what he said. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. If the, and, and if you look at it, it's actually a very sound biblical approach. If we get you to actually believe and understand who you are in Christ, you will follow God. And he will accomplish his purposes through you without somebody telling you what you're supposed to do and without you feeling like you have to go through something to experience it through some church structure or through some Western, you know, Westernized thing. You know what I mean? You're free. Say, I'm free. I'm free. Now, what are you going to do with that freedom? I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I was talking to somebody Friday, and they were like, yeah, you know, I... I, I, I used to feel like that if I wasn't at the church praying all the time and I was at home enjoying making something with my hands that I wasn't doing enough for God. Now, God, God created this planet for you to enjoy. I'm not talking about, you know, you just driving your Bugatti up a golden driveway into your 5,000 square foot mansion or 10,000, whatever, whatever you want. I don't know, what do you want? 10, 15? You, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm just talking about, I mean, if you want to look at how extravagant and how into prosperity God is, he made a planet for two people. How much of it do you think they saw? That's pretty wasteful, God. You realize how many children in Africa that planet could feed? <laughs> now, you don't get to be selfish. You know what I'm saying. I'm talking about a mature response to the freedom that God has given you. Amen. That is your part. You don't get to come to church and say, well, they hurt me. So therefore, I'm not going to follow God. You, you don't get to come into a place and say, well, they're not, there's nothing for me to do, so therefore I'm just going to do my thing over here. And No. You have the responsibility, because you are a sheep, to hear the voice of God inside here and follow it. You have a call on your life because you're a child of God, because you are at one with the one that created everything, because you have been raised and elevated with Christ and seated with him, 
in the same place that Jesus is in. Now, you're not Messiah. You're not going to become a God. But God said, you know what? I don't want them any less than me. I'm bringing them into oneness with me. It's a family. He's a loving father. We struggle with that. The fact that somebody is experiencing one thing, one reality, and they set their mind and heart on God, and he, out of this connection, expresses his value, and your life then changes, that to me, other than being born again, and maybe a human growing inside of another human, that's still just as incredible to me, that is like the most impressive thing to me that our God would put us in a kind of a relationship where we can do that, where we can be directly connected with him and respond to him. I mean, something that your world is telling you one thing and you say, nope, not today, world. My God has a word for me, which is going to make me affect this world around me. Amen? You have to know your identity. You have to be able to live within your identity. You have to be able to choose to live in your identity. And then you live out, because you have purpose, you know your purpose, then you live out of a sense of purpose. You might find yourself reaching a particular people group like that are struggling with substance abuse because you have figured out who you are. And then you realize, I think I want to help these people over here. You have a say-so. And you're anointed. I didn't give you this scripture, Philip, but let's go with uh, 1 John 2.27, I think it is. And Ms. Mama Meg, this is going to be kind of an answer to your question. I'm looking on it. I pulled it up here. Yep, 1 John 2.27, just whichever, probably NIV. See, you have to know that you were not created to do a job for God. You can't find that in Scripture anywhere. God didn't write your job description in heaven and then send you to earth. Your purpose is not discovered in what you're supposed to do. It's discovered in who you are, in Him. And then once you understand your purpose and you are completely at peace with your God, your Father, and you can rest in Him, then this is true of you. Let's just read this. As for you, say me, Me. the anointing you received from Him remains. Say remains. Remains. In me. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about and as that anointing is real, don't you just like that he puts that in there? Man, this thing is real. You know, he's like, I'm just, I'm telling you, this is real. He just stops. This is just a little thing. And it's real. Not counterfeit. Just as has taught you, remain in him. The way you remain in him. See, you can't be separated from him. Nothing can separate you from your God once you've been made joined to him. Now, there is the warning in Colossians that says, remain in the faith. Can you lose your salvation? Well, scripturally, the only indication that we have that says that you might could lose your salvation is if you don't remain in the faith. In other words, you just decide that you're just not going to believe in Christ anymore. And I'm not so sure that you can even then. But there is a warning to remain in the faith. So I would say, keep believing. Amen? 
But see, under the old covenant, the anointing was when the Spirit of God would empower somebody for a specific task, a specific purpose, and once it was accomplished, the Spirit of God would leave. And sometimes if that person mishandled the call, that the Spirit would leave. The Spirit would be grieved and he would leave. With you, the anointing that came upon people back then, that anointing is in you. I mean, this is a big deal. And again, you know, this is a foundational teaching for us. I'm going over all the core values and beliefs. And if you're a visitor, you're getting a little bit of our church philosophy in this teaching as well as far as who we are as a church. But see, once you understand that, okay, I'm safe in God, I'm a child of God, I'm breathing air, I'm fulfilling my purpose because I have acknowledged God and I am saved through Christ. Done. I'm done. I am complete in Him because I am I have received the highest thing that I could do for him, and that is let him make me righteous through the blood of Christ. But from there forward, because you have been anointed, God might call you into some very specific things. And again, those things aren't just defined in a church context. They can be whatever you're doing right now, whatever it is that you love. Now, so I'm going to go into this series uh, in early January, because I love to start, you can pull that one down, Philip. I love to start the year off with, you know, not really resolutions, but it's just a good time to kind of set some goals. You know, studies show that those who set goals actually have more of a chance to fulfill those goals. You don't ever set any goals, you're probably never going to fulfill them. Yeah, it might have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. <laughs> so, we, you know, we just set some goals to move in a particular... Ultimately, we just make the choice to live intentionally. It's just that we spend a lot of time here to make sure that that intention that you live from is your identity in Christ. And then I like to frame it this way, you know, because you've... How many of you have taken those surveys in church and it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Here, take out this survey. It'll tell you. <laughs> I'm not sure what my gifts are. I'm not sure if I have any gifts. Here, fill out this piece of paper, and it'll tell you what your gifts are. Now, I, I love behavioral profiles. I love understanding how the mind works and the psychology. I, it's one of the main tools that I use for counseling people come in. I want them to understand themselves. I want them to understand the people they're in relationship with. And, I, and the, more, the more you know you, the more you understand how you make decisions and, and you, can, you, you gain more the fruit of self-control because you're not in the dark about you. You know, you should know you better than anybody knows you. Amen? And then you get to know other people. So I frame it this way, not what am I supposed to do, God, but who do you want me to love? See, because the assignment that Jesus gave us is by our love for one another, the world will know that we follow Christ. And our unity as in the body of Christ will be a sign to the world that God sent Jesus into this earth. So it's not what you're supposed to do. It's because you are who you are. You are to represent me, he says. And you do that most effectively as you walk in love toward one another. So here's how I say you figure out what your call is. Not what am I supposed to do but who do you love? Now, it could be an interesting question based on what it is that you want to do and what you love to do, right? So the follow-up question to be is like, look, let's say I love young girls that are being sold 
by their families into forced marriage to spend the rest of their life as basically a sex slave. Let's say that your heart just cries out and bleeds for that. And you, like, like right now, some of you are just feeling like, oh my God, I, I have to do something about that. You could partially be called into that area. You talk with her and you figure it out and there's a framework and you move in that direction. Let's say that your heart just absolutely breaks for people that are trapped in substance abuse addiction. Well, how can you love those people, right? Let's say, I don't know, let's say women that lack self-confidence. You can bring your products to them and just help them have some confidence, you know, with the, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's wide open. The goal is, who do you love and how can you love them? And here's the, another, again, I go into a lot of detail in January. We're going to go through this, but this just to kind of get this into this series as one of our foundational things. Another question is, do they know that you love them? Like, in other words, you sit there and you're saying, man, I just really feel called to these people. I love these people. I love this. You know what? Honestly, it might just be your children. You might just be at a place where you have love for no one but your children. I don't mean that as a bad thing. I just mean it's okay that your child, your children, your family is what you're called to in this season. And, and, and the, the, the more that you create that context of love and invest in that relationship, it reflects the glory of God into this planet. And it is just as important as the evangelist that's leading a million people a year to the Lord because it's part of the body. You know what I'm saying? So who do you love? Do they know that you love them? In other words, are they feeling the effects? These people that I think I'm called to, do they, do they, am I making an impact? And then it's, okay, well, how can I love them? And that's where you get training. You read what you need to read. You buy a plane ticket. You whatever, you know, that's where, you, that, but, it, but, it, but when you frame it in the context of love, so you're sitting there and you're like, okay, yeah, but I've got this job and I've got all these people to feed and I've got these responsibilities. It's all right, keep your job. God's not mad at your job. But are you taking the responsibility to live beyond the job? Are you taking the responsibility to take out of your chest that thing that, that, that just breaks your heart for people and put it out here and do something with it? See, because God will actually lead you and guide you when you start taking steps toward him. And, you know, it makes me think about Moses. Moses is, uh, you know, a Jew sent down the river, brought in by the Pharaoh's family, raised as a, a king, you know, really raised as an elite and finds out that these are his people, and then he, we all know the story, the burning bush, God calls Moses. So Moses figures out that he's called, right? And what, Mo, what did Moses do to fulfill his calling? He, he started killing people. <laughs> all right, it's not, murder's not funny, but it's just interesting, right? Because some of us, we jump out and we start to try to fulfill our call, and there is a trail of dead bodies behind us. A lot of times in our own family. I'm going to fulfill my call. Bless God, I know what I'm supposed to do. Well, what about us? You know what I mean? So around 40, he kills this guy. 40 years runs from his call. 
How long you been running from yours? You don't feel so bad, right? 40. <laughs> Moses wrote the Pentateuch, wrote the law. The one that revealed God in his wisdom to the planet. 40 years ran. And then when he starts, to, now, I don't know that this is accurate, but think about it. Moses is educated in probably some of the best schools on the planet at the time. You know, they had the whole library of Alexandria. They had their, their education was way advanced. You look back then on the planet and the megalithic structures that were there and the way that society was arranged, you know, they weren't cavemen. They were highly intelligent. So he was probably highly educated, right? And so God shows up to him and says, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh. And he's like, I stutter. He's like, I'm not so sure you stuttered, Moses. That sounds like excuse number one to me. And then God goes through this whole thing of, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go in, and I want you to set millions of people free. And he's like, no, wait a minute. Now, who are you? You know, he's talking to this bush that's burning. He knows who it is. I'm assuming some things here, but his response is interesting because we do the same thing. God reveals himself, and it's very clear. The bush is a picture of grace. Really, it was a picture of how Moses was supposed to follow God, and that is anything can burn once, but for a bush to burn and not be consumed, for those leaves and the, the wood inside that bush to not be consumed, in other words, you know, when something burns, you light it on fire, and the energy within it is exhausted, and that's what produces the flame, and it burns, and once the, in, the stored energy within that thing burns out, no more flame. Well, you've got a bush that's burning, which meant it was burning not of its own energy. The bush that was burning wasn't exhausting its internal energy. It was God burning on this thing. That's the picture of grace. If it's hard and not, not hard, but if it's, if it's exhausting you, like emotionally and mentally, like people say, well, I just you leak the Holy Spirit. You got to fill up again. It's like, well, you're doing it in the wrong way then. Now, you might get tired, you know, I understand that. Your body gets tired and weak and you get mentally tired and all that. But, but to lose a sense of purpose because you've been doing what you're doing, you're doing it the wrong way. You're doing it in your own strength. You're not doing it in grace. Grace will burn within you and you will not be consumed in the process. So Moses, you know, God tells him, I want you to go do this. And he's like, now, wait a minute. Now, who are, who are you? You know, you ask God for his credentials, right? And, and then he says, well, so what if this happens? And what if this happens? And, and he just really he just tries to get out of it. Now, see yourself in this, because I'm talking about you. I'm just using Moses as the illustration, because we've all done it. What's your excuse? What's your latest excuse to not walk into the call that you have? Is it because the church isn't telling you what to do? Is it because you got hurt by the last one? Is it because the abuse you experienced as a child is still defining you today? Uh-oh. Honestly, what is it? What is your excuse? Is it because your ex is doing this to you? Is it because your job is limiting you in this area? Do you think that God is limited by those things? Moses is going through the same thing. What am I going to do? What if this happens? So I can just see God, you know, and this is, this is how I see it in my mind. And, and you know, so, he's, so God's calling him and he's giving him this purpose and he's giving him these things and, and, and Moses is fighting it. And, then, and God's like, all right, 
What's in your hand? He's like, well, I got this stick here, you know what I mean? I've been using it for a few years to keep the sheep in line. I got this phone in my hand. I've got this, I've got this horrific past that might be what's in your hands. Uh, you know, I've got this job. I, I, he's, like, he's like, what's in your hands? He's like, it's a staff, right? It's a, it's a stick. And God's like, okay, throw it down. Throws it down on the ground. It turns into a snake. And then he says, all right, pick it up. So he picks it up, turns back into a staff. Now, watch what's interesting. Let's show that uh, Exodus, that first one. Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say the Lord has not appeared unto you. Is that the one that, was it 4-1? Oh, yeah, here we are. And the Lord said, what's in your hand? And he said, a rod, you know, a staff. A stick, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled before it. <laughs> what are you running away from? God's like, I want to use that. And you're like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not trying to be funny. God's like, you have this thing already in your hand. And then God shows you how it can be used, and you run. That's exactly what Moses did. Was that it on that one? Jump to the next one. So he finally says, okay, and he goes and he starts seeing this happen. And I'll pull it down for just one second. So then all the plagues happen, right? Uh, Mo Moses keeps going to Pharaoh, and he keeps telling him, all right, set the people free. And, you know, probably Moses could have, or Pharaoh could have avoided his heart being hard. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Pharaoh had a choice of whether or not his heart was going to be hardened toward God? Think about it. Romans 9, he hardened Pharaoh's heart for his own purposes. Do you think Pharaoh had a choice for his heart to be hardened or not? I mean, we're cutting into a theological thing here where it's like, my whole Bible understanding is based on the idea that God created him for evil. Did he? Or is it the effect that happened within Moses? And then God recognized the reprobate mind and heart and then turned that and used it for his purpose. Did Pharaoh, was Pharaoh destined for death and hell? I mean, most of us are probably on board with the free will thing, but I'm telling you, that is a big pillar, just rock solid right in the middle of their understanding of who God is. And that's one of the big factors. I mean, could at any moment God, Moses, Pharaoh have said, man, I'm, I'm not digging the frog thing. I think I'll turn toward this God. You know what I mean? Right. Could he have? So then after all of that, and then all the... You know, just all these Egyptians come to the Israelites and they're like, we realize that you've been slaves for, you know, 400 years, but here, take all of our gold. And then they just head out of town. You know, could you imagine you're an Israelite and you're like, I mean, you don't know what to expect, right? You're thinking your whole identity is slavery. 
And then here you are, prospered, and you've been given something where you never have to worry about finances again. You know, it's kind of like the picture that we've been given the Holy Spirit. We, we don't have to worry about the wrath of God. We don't have to worry about being a slave to sin any longer. It's kind of how it was for them. They were given so much wealth that they just walked out of the, walked out of the town, out of, out of the country. So then they end up by the river, right, by the Red Sea, and there's a mountain here, the, the sea here, and Pharaoh's coming. You know, Pharaoh's like, uh, what did I do? It's time to kill them all. And so watch what happens. Now, I want you to see yourself in this because what we're talking about is you getting your own vision. We're talking about you and your God in front of that burning bush, and God is speaking to you, and he's saying, I want you to represent me on this planet. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you everything that I have, and I'm going to live within you completely unlimited. Now, you decide in your heart how you want to affect this planet, and I will lead you and guide you in that direction. God could also say, hey, I'm calling you to these people. There's that too, you know. We can't, def it's not completely us. He has a say-so in this too. But so Moses gets to this position. I love what happens here. You know, sometimes we read the Bible with these like rose-colored glasses and we don't understand that these people were actually people. Watch what Moses does. Let's go. And Moses, so one thing he says, what you're going to notice here is he says one thing to the people and he says another thing to God. So he's thinking he's doing what he's supposed to do in his ministry, but then when he goes to God, it's a bit of a different story. Because, and we know that because of God's response, okay? Watch. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I think he believed that. I think he expected that. Which he will show you, uh, he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. I think he really believed that. The Lord, now watch this, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. That sounds great, right? And I think that would have been under the direction of God, but just watch this, next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Now think about this for a minute, right? Moses is standing in front of the people and he's saying, look, you're about to be delivered. The enemy is going to be vanquished. But something must have happened in between what he's representing to the people and in his own heart toward God. He told the people, God's going to fight for you, right? That's what you'd think he would, should tell them. And then God calls him to the carpet and says, what, what are you crying to me for? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Are you following me? Next one. Lift up your rod. Remember that rod? He's trying to avoid his call. God's like, what's in your hand? Well, this stick that I've got. And God uses that. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That thing that's in your hand that you think is insignificant can split seas. Amen. And the children of Israel shall go on dry land through the midst of the sea. This, to me, this is, this is like a master class in the psychology of God. Because outwardly, he's, he's really, he's doing the right thing. He's saying the right thing. But inwardly, he must be freaking out because he's going to God. And he's like, oh, I know I'm saying this. I know I'm believing this. I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. But then he goes 
to God, and God's like, why are you crying to me? Use what's in your hand. Tell the people, go forward. See, Moses told them God's going to fight for you. Moses must have been in this mindset where he's like, okay, let's wait for God to show up. Because he's going to fix it all. Then we're going to be okay. That's kind of what I hear based on God's response. Just, just wait for God to show up. Now, what if, what if he had not heard God say, Why, what are you crying to me for? Go, go. I've already given you everything that you need. Go. What if he would have stopped? What if he hadn't heard that? We probably wouldn't have had the Messiah. The Abrahamic nation, dead. I mean, think about it. One response from Moses with what he already had in his hands before he was ever even called is what God used through him. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like for you, right? But don't wait for any church to tell you what it's supposed to look like. God will show you what it's supposed to look like. Amen? Now, along the way, we're doing the best that we can to provide training and put some good programs in place. We're really working on this life group thing for fellowship because so much happens when you actually just go and talk with people, sit in people's living rooms and talk about God. Amazing things happen. You should try it. It's pretty cool. And, and real discipleship happens. You know, you say something, and sometimes you sit here, right, and you hear your thoughts, and you don't know how crazy they are. But then you go to a small group, and you say it, and you hear yourself say it, and you're like, I can't believe I thought that. And then you just move on, right? That was actually supposed to be funny, but you know, must, y'all must have needed to hear that. I don't know. <laughs> Iron sharpens iron, right? We get to draw without of people what's in them, right? Don't sit and wait for any person to tell you who you're supposed to be in God. You are the, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I would be willing to bet that you already have within your understanding, within your own hands, within, within what you have now, what you need to begin moving into whatever it is that your calling is. Right Now, this is where all the limitations start coming in. Well, but I, I'll do that when this happens. Or this is, I'm this old and what am I supposed to do now? Or I've got these responsibilities, I can't go here. Just, just tell yourself now, you're not going to receive any excuses at all. You're not going to play the excuse game. You're just going to open your heart to God commune with him. And see, that's why this approach to this heart-based, this heart-to-heart relationship with God, rather than written in stone to mind to performance relationship with God is so important because if it's heart-to-heart, you're involved and you change in the process and something happens within you and nobody can explain it, but it's your choice of how deep you're going to let that heart-to-heart connection go and how much you're going to let it actually change you. And then when you want to actually walk out the call of God on your life, because you've taken the time to affirm your identity in Him, you just start using what's available. Well, I don't know, God. What, what, am I, what can I do? What can I do? Maybe, I, 
I would bet most of you have an idea of something that you want to do. If I were to ask you, let's say that, you know, a nation gives you a bunch of gold. Today we call it the lottery. Let's say you win the lottery. You know, let's say you win, I don't know, what's your number, 50 million? What would you do? It's a, it's a, it's a silly question. You've all heard it, but think about it. What would you do? First off is you repent for being so limited by your thoughts about money. Because it's unfortunate that our calling is limited to how much money we have. You know what I mean? Well, if I only had enough money, then I could do it. Well, I'm telling you, people with money, it's, it's not any different. Money's deceptive in that when you don't have any, you think you need it to do what you need to do, but when you have a bunch of it, you're secure in it, and you think, well, I need this to stay secure, but it doesn't help in one way or the other. I mean, it might help a little bit if you use it the right way. Amen? I mean, I want, I want a sense of responsibility to lay squarely on your shoulders, but inwardly I want you to be at peace because you are accepted and beloved by your God and you are in right. You, are at, you know righteousness, it means as you should be. You are as you should be before your Father in heaven. You are accepted and that will never change. Now, can you live from that? What's in your hands? Amen? Amen. And like I said, in January, we're going to go through this a little bit more um, and, and actually take some steps, you know, through the small groups and through the services, uh, you know, we'll, we'll help you define a plan and you can talk to some people and commit your ideas to people and help each other and challenge each other and hold each other accountable and inspire and encourage each other and you find people that you trust and you, and you just start going. It's like, you know, I really wanted to, I just really feel like that this is something that, that needs to happen. It might be in this church. It might not be in this church. If it's in this church, just make sure you communicate about it. You know what I mean? Don't, we don't want to show up and you're just kind of doing this thing over here. Let's have a conversation about that. That's all I ask. And have a plan in place, you know. But you're free. You are free to follow God. I just want to do it together. Amen? So that's the thing. Who do you love and what's in your hand? Are you thinking? I hope so. And as we pray, you know, just, just kind of affirm your identity in him. Don't feel guilty that you're not doing what you think you should be doing. Don't let that stuff start creeping in. Don't let a sin consciousness creep in. Don't let the guilt of not doing enough start creeping in. I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, you haven't done enough. None of us have. If Jesus is the standard, we haven't done enough. So just go ahead and accept that. And let yourself affirm your identity and your peace within him and just ask him, you know, God, either remind me or, or that thing that you've given up on or what, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe you have a vision, maybe you don't. Maybe you do have this vision, but you have no idea how to pursue it. He will lead you and guide you in all truth. That's what he does. Do you trust that? Do you trust that the Holy Spirit can lead you? Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are at peace with you in Christ. We thank you that you have set us free from this performance-based structure of relationship, and you are no longer holding our shortcomings and our failure and our sin against us. 
Because we have that freedom with you, we want to express this holiness and righteousness that we've been given. We absolutely don't want to use it as an excuse to stay in sin. But God, even beyond that, even beyond those sin struggles, I want to, I want to fulfill the call that you have on my life. For, for whatever say-so I have, or if it's something that I have no clue about right now, but you want to call me into it, I make myself open to you in this moment. Now, just take a minute, take a deep breath. Because you know, there's a real connection with the Spirit of God with you. He's in you. Acknowledge God, and He'll direct your paths. Even within your chest, you know, just, just kind of feel those muscles, your lungs fill with air. Feel a sense of relaxation, and you're just acknowledging, God, I love you. I thank you that you love me. I am at peace with you. I am accepted because of Christ. Now, I desire to reflect you. I want to represent you well on this planet. And I'm willing to make any of the changes that you would lead me to because I know that your grace is sufficient within me. I know that because I am accepted within you through Christ, that you have the power on reserve within me to just strengthen me and nourish me and teach me and lead me and guide me and transform me and give me vision and give me hope and give me expectation of this future. Because you said that we, you came that we would have life and that more abundantly. And out of that abundant life, we just want to represent you on this planet so that the world would see how good of a God you are. To see that you are a father that desires relationship. Just one more, just one more. Just, just reset again inside. Father, I acknowledge you. I thank you that you live within me. Thank you that I'm accepted in you. I yield my thought processes. I yield my mind. I yield my inner man. I yield my emotions. I make myself completely impressionable to you, God, so that I can love you with all of my heart, strength, and soul and walk around aware of you, representing you so others would see your glory. I mean, just, just, just doing that, do you feel a sense of peace? Do you feel a sense of purpose? You know, even if you don't have the exact instructions, you know, the, the reason that you take time to meditate, like which what we did was just meditation, the reason you take time to do that is not to make something happen or God to make do something for you specifically, but it makes it believable for you. If you can see it inwardly, it becomes believable. Always based on his word, always based on his truth, never, never contradicting that, but you see it inwardly, and it, 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 will, it just gives you the hope that it can be built externally.